What's up, everybody? This is Fred Bracciani. I have right here on the line a very special guest. She's a standout actress, voiceover artist, narrator, author. She's got so many job titles we can't even keep up, but we're going to try. We are talking to Ioni Butler, who appears in Black Widow, also lending her voice to the upcoming Call of Duty Vanguard video game. Ioni, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. How's everything going? I'm really well, thanks. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to this. I got to ask you, you had a small part in Black Widow, movie made nearly a billion dollars worldwide, also the first major Marvel Studios film. Do you also end up on Disney Plus while still within theatrical release? Can you just kind of describe that whole experience working with Scarlett Johansson, working with that whole team, and now being a part of the MCU? <laughs> wow, yeah, I guess I am. Uh, it was incredible. Um, I was called in to do uh, some reshoots, which is after the principal photography. They kind of want to tie in some pieces together. And so they uh, have people that they filmed, so they had like two weeks of reshoots. And so I came in to tie some of the Black Widow stuff together at the end uh, to kind of help it make sense. Um, and it was incredible. I mean, first of all, having the wardrobe fitting and getting to put on that outfit, I immediately felt like a badass and loved mm -hmm. it. Just to be part of that, I was, it was very exciting. And I tried to be like very level-headed and cool about it. I also couldn't talk to anyone about it forever. So, uh, you know, had to kind of just be cool. Um, but yeah, getting on set was amazing. I um, Unfortunately, like the reshoots overran so much that most of what I was hired to do, I didn't actually get around to doing um, because it kept getting pushed, getting pushed and pushed. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we couldn't, we, that was it. That was the end of the reshoot. So that was a bit disappointing, but, um, I did get to do some stuff. I was in a rehearsal with, uh, Scala and Ray Winston and it was just, she's, she's very sweet. She's very professional. Uh, it's kind of amazing to see her cause she just kind of, she's such a pro, you know, and like, she's done it so much. And here am I like, you know, my, it's, it was a, it was a principal non-speaking role. So, you know, I, there's no, I'm not like the biggest person in the movie by any stretch. Um, but it was like a huge thing for me. And then, you know, to see her who has done so much, um, just kind of getting on with it and doing it and just being a pro and it being so natural, it was just very kind of inspiring and cool. She's, she was lovely. That, that's awesome. Now you've had a, a decorated career. I mean, your IMDb credits are insane in, in, in a good way for sure. Uh, but how did it differ doing an MCU film compared to some of the other work you've done as far as just like the, the scope and everything? Actually, um, we did these reshoots at a studio in, um, it was kind of like near LAX. Uh, I forget what that part of town is called now. I'm not very good with names of towns, as, as you recall from earlier <laughs> when we were talking. Um, so, yeah, it was it was kind of all in a studio. It was a couple of lots. It was very cool. I mean, it's the biggest production value thing that I've worked on, but it wasn't as if we were like in Russia or anything. It was in like a lot in a studio thing, which is very cool. And I've done, you know, I've done some TV and things like that. So that kind of had a similar vibe. But compared to the independent films I do where it's, you know, in a, a friend of the director's house, uh, it was pretty epic. But, um, uh, but yeah, it, it felt quite normal and I felt very comfortable given the size of the project, which was nice. What is really fantastic is that you are a part of Call of Duty Vanguard. You revealed it on your Instagram a, a few weeks ago. I don't think I need to go into detail for fans <laughs> as to why that is a big deal. Call of Duty has revolutionized video games. It's revolutionized esports. Can you give us some details on your role in that video game? 
You know what? I actually don't know if I can. Um, I've been, so we, I, we were allowed to say that we were in it, but no, I, I'm in it. I'm part of it. It was incredible. Um, I was working with uh, somebody who I'd worked with on a project called Ingress before. It's a augmented reality game, Ingress. And um, uh, the director, JB Blanc, uh, is a voice actor and also directs video games. And it was so amazing working with him. Uh, it was incredibly uh, vocally stressful and challenging. Um, and, uh, but, you know, working with a pro like him was great because he knew when to take breaks. He knew when to like give me some like tips and hints on this is, you know, how you do it. Um, and it was, I guess, I've done a few video games, but it was the first kind of game like sort of war game like that that I've worked on uh and that, that was quite comprehensive and vocally stressful uh but it was amazing and uh I mean I'm in sort of other fun variations of the game too that was awesome and really fun to be part of so I mean it's just an honor really I, I can't wait to sort of see it and hear it in action so yeah it was amazing am I allowed to ask you if you were face scanned for the game I was not face scanned for the game, no. Okay, so we, uh, so if we hear Ioni's voice, we'll, we'll, we'll know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, before we get to everything else you've been doing in voice acting, I want, I want to take it back in the day uh, when you first broke into acting, because you have a, a, a very diverse career, right? You've done audiobooks, you've done a ton of voiceover work and voice acting, you're creating content these days, inspiring people, you're a mental health advocate. Obviously, you're a traditional actor as well. How did it all start for you? Did you grow up saying, you know what, one of these days I want to be in show business or did show business kind of find you? Oh, uh, yeah, no. Well, um, I guess to go back to the beginning, as a child, I was I was an only child, which for the longest time when I was little, I thought that that I thought that the term was lonely child because that's how I <laughs> felt just very alone. Uh, then I, you know, four years ago, realized the term was only child. But I was quite sad, dealt with depression a lot. And I remember I'd, I'd done some school plays and loved it. I was in uh, Oliver. I was the Artful Dodger. I did some school plays and had a great time. Um, and I remember thinking at one point, you know, if I was famous, all my problems would go away. I'd be happy. People would like me. People would know me. I'd be a happy person. And it's so sad because like, that's not the reality of what fame is. There's very famous people who deal with demons and are very, you know, depressed and not in a good place. So, however, that was one of the catalysts that kind of kicked me into action. I thought just being known by people would make me feel less lonely, which I guess there's some truth to that. Um, and so I kind of threw myself at all the different things that I liked. I wanted to be a singer originally. Um, I got into dance classes. I took acting classes. Um, when I was 16, I went to an amazing school called the Brit School, which was the first time in my life that I was surrounded by um, people who like just who who were like me uh, and being able to do like perform every day like it was probably the best two years of my kind of young adult life. Um, it was a place where like Amy Winehouse and Adele, people like that, went to the Brit School. It's churned out a lot of um, very talented people. And then after that, I went to uh, well, I quickly realized there too that I wasn't the best singer. Um, so that you know, being a bigger pop star wasn't wasn't going to cut it but acting was where I kind of did really well and then I went to a drama school for three years um and then I kind of was stuck for a little bit out of drama school you know graduated in 2008 it was the beginning of the recession in England if you don't make my theory is if you don't kind of get a good agent and make it out the gate with a good start you pretty much 
don't do very, it's very difficult to kind of break in three years down the line if you don't kind of, you know, hit the ground running out of drama school. And so I was struggling. I struggled with confidence stuff. Um, I struggled just with, you know, auditioning. I, I didn't feel prepared to audition. I really found that tough. Um, uh, but I kind of kept plugging along. I did a lot of unpaid work, which helped me kind of get my demo reel together and stuff like that. Um, got some movies under my belt, unpaid things. And then with that, I kind of used that work to help me uh, get my visa to move to the US because I had a friend that was working in a big TV show and he just said that, you know, it's amazing. If it wasn't for the visa stuff, I would have been in the US a long time ago because there were so many more roles for actors of color. Now diversity is a huge thing, which is amazing. But back then in England, it was everything was very white. Um, and so and the US had more diversity. So, yeah, I've been out um, in the U.S. since 2012 and things have just kind of grown from strength to strength. It was um, my first kind of regular job was Ingress, the video game that I was telling you about. The, the company is the same company that made Pokemon Go, uh, but Ingress was like the first version of that. And so it was a, supposed to be a 10 week job. It ended up lasting three and a half years, took me all around the world, got to meet loads of people all around the country. And it was uh, it was an amazing um, job. And uh, yeah, kind of from that, I started moving into voiceover stuff, doing audiobooks, um, things like that. Uh, in the UK, being another English voice, I wasn't very distinctive, but in the US, everyone loved it. So that was good. Um, and then, yeah, I've just been just been sort of plugging, plugging away and, and doing the do. Um, I have my own stuff, my own kind of in, uh, corporate work, I would say, that I do as like my day job. And then... Um, audition and do the other things as and when I am lucky to get them. So, yeah. How have you been able to kind of juggle all that? And, and obviously you've been in the U S now for almost, almost a decade, but how are you able to kind of juggle everything going on and, and kind of stay level headed because there's just so many moving parts. Yeah. Well, uh, going back to the visa stuff, um, just doing, I, I'd come out for a month to test the waters and see if I liked it. I networked, I met a lot of people and then I went back and got my visa stuff. And, and so when I moved uh, to the US, I felt like I had a, a base of people. And I'd say any type of move, it's really essential that one, you know how you're going to make your money. Um, and two, you have people there, you have a support network, because it can be very um, lonely moving to another place. And, and it takes time to like nurture relationships. So uh, that was that was quite a challenge. Um, I had a few people that were kind of like family who have now become like family in the beginning when I was in the US. And so that really helped just having support um, reaching out to friends of friends that knew people in LA, connecting with them. I think it's just very easy. It's important to network and build relationships so that you feel, you feel at home, you know? Yeah. Um, and then just generally juggling all of the other things uh, has been a, an ongoing struggle for me. I have, I, I do a lot. Um, something that's helped uh, is to do regular audits, like check-ins with myself, you know, I had a podcast for a while and I, I decided to stop doing that about, I think maybe about two years ago now, because it was, it was very time consuming. And I also, I had done it for a while and I was like, you know what, I think it's time to stop. I'm not, I'm not, it's not, I'm not getting as much out of it as I want anymore. And so, and it's, so it's okay to sort of analyze and be like, you know, I can put my time somewhere else, for example. Another thing is outsourcing, which has been really important, having a team of people that I can outsource to to take away some of the, the kind of day-to-day -day burdens that used to stress me out. Oh, yeah, I've started to recently just plan out my day better. So looking at the week, what I need to get done in the week when I've got auditions, when they're due, when I've got corporate videos and things to film and shoot, when I've got appointments or whatever, and then just sort of planning the, the week out roughly and then day-to-day -day giving myself uh, 
a kind of fixed, you know, this is what you need to do. And that has been so helpful because I, I find myself sometimes just flapping around, you know, not knowing what to do next. And so when you've got that structure, it just helps to be like, okay, after the call, I'm going to have my lunch, then I'm going to finish the videos, and then I'm going to have some free time, you know, so that's been helpful. I love that you said that about hiring a team. I'm kind of got, going through that transition now, you know, as a creator and a broadcaster. I know I'm sure a lot of actors, people within the media entertainment industry are kind of going through that transition. You know, you start to grow and you think you do everything yourself. And all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, I, I need, I need some help here. So what okay. advice would you, so what advice would you give creators who are kind of, I guess I don't say in that purgatory, but in that middle ground where it's like, oh crap, I better hire a team before I get super burned out. Oh, for sure. Do it is my advice. Um, <laughs> I, I had interviewed a, a really amazing uh, woman years ago um, who she was the one that really turned me on to it because I was looking for an assistant and I was in um, L.A. and I had a budget of like $15 an hour to pay an assistant, which in L.A. is nothing because everything is so expensive in L.A. And also the person that I hired it's not, it wasn't her main job. She had other things, other passions, other interests, but $15 an hour was a lot for me to hand over of my money to get some help. And so after speaking to this lady, she advised me to outsource and look at outsourcing to like the Philippines and different markets where um, the salaries are a lot different, where I can afford to pay somebody something that is a reasonable rate for them, but, and I can afford myself and, and also to have a committed person who uh actually you know this is this is their job you know it's not like a oh I've got to go and do this thing but really I care about all these other things and so that just really was a massive game changer for me outsourcing I have a lovely team I've got two editors that are incredible that they they helped when I had my podcast you know working on my podcast they helped uh with you know making the assets to promote my videos uh to promote my book even you know edit my videos uh edit my voiceovers uh saved so much time and allowed me to do so much more because a huge part of my day was editing my work and then as soon as i employed editors i was able to triple the amount of work that i could do and the money that i could make um uh, just by just doing the thing that I'm good at, which is the voiceover and handing over everything else to other people. So, uh, yeah, my advice is do it. Uh, look at outsourcing platforms like onlinejobs.ph is really amazing to find. It's like a Craigslist, but for Filipino workers. Um, and I'm sure there's other uh, freelancing websites that you can find uh, people on. But I, I've just had the, the only success with onlinejobs.ph. One thing that really stood out to me on your 2020 resume in the midst of all the worldwide chaos was the fact that you wrote a book or at least released the book by the name yeah. of Uplifting Stories uh, based on your, your content company as well, Uplifting Content. Can you talk a little bit about that and what kind of inspired you to create positive content? Yeah, sure. So um, I kind of briefly touched on it previously. Uh, growing up, I dealt with a lot of depression uh, but and it, it it was very crippling at times, but I'm a very kind of go-getter type of person. And I, and I hated feeling depressed. I hated, I, I didn't like being a shell of myself. Like I wanted to be excited and inspired. And so I would always think, I would always try to find things, TV shows or whatever that would lift me up and ins inspire me and kind of bring me out of these funks. And it was very difficult to do that. Um, so Uplifting Content, the platform, came about as like a, a hub of inspiration, a hub of uplifting content on social media that people can go to when they want to just, you know, feel uplifted and have a smile on their face. So that was one thing. Um, and the book, Uplifting Stories, um, uh, so Facebook is where we have the the 
platform mostly and it was doing very well. And then in 2017, Facebook changed their algorithms and made it very difficult for us to reach our audience that we had grown without paying for them. And so I wanted to find another uh, avenue or a way that I could get the message out to people that wasn't just reliant on a Facebook page. And so the idea for the book came about and Uplifting Stories is a collection of 19 inspiring, uplifting stories, true stories by amazing people about stories about human connection or overcoming adversity or pursuing your passion and purpose, really kind of uh, things that we can all relate to. Um, and at the end of every story, there is an uh, an exercise uh, to help you implement what you've learned from that story. So it's kind of like, I think it's important that we we hear nice things, we get motivated, we're all inspired, but then it's important that we do something, you know, like we implement what we've learned. And so the idea of the book is that it's feel good, but, you know, it gets you taking positive action to make a change in your life and the lives of other people. I love it. And where can fans find the book and, and your content? Yeah. So Uplifting Stories is available wherever books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, places like that. And uh, Uplifting Content, the platform, uh, we have a, a website, but mostly the thing that's mostly updated is our Facebook page and Instagram. And so all of that is at Uplifting Content. Easy enough to remember. Now, with all our guests, we like to ask them some kind of random rapid fire questions just to get to know them better. Are you ready? Oh, I haven't prepared. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> Ooh, what's your favorite what's your favorite late night snack toast to do, you, do you not eat like any carbs or <laughs> can you elaborate no i just i'm just obsessed with toast uh my boyfriend does all my other uh, cooking because like i before we started dating he would just couldn't believe how just i ate, lived off toast i can't be bothered to cook so toast is lovely toast with butter toast with peanut butter if i'm feeling a little bit naughty toast with chocolate spread Who's your favorite person to work with? Uh, favorites are diff difficult, but uh, just to think of most recently, it was lovely working with um, JB, uh, JB Blunk, uh, the director of Call of Duty. And um, I did a short film uh, last year, which is just out that we just promoted recently. Um, uh, Guyan Brandt, who is an amazing YouTuber. He is a, he wrote, produced, directed, and starred in this really lovely short film that we did called Callback. And it was just a very simple lovely exchange and i really enjoyed working with him we had good chemistry is there one thing on your filmography that you feel is super underrated that people should check out you know what is not on there that i want to be on there which is this callback uh uh short film that i recently did it's kind of one of the it's it's one of the favorite things that i've done so far i filmed it last november it took a long time to edit and it's finally out and i'm really proud of the work um so yeah that needs to go on there but I think I would really like everyone to check that one out. It's on YouTube. Cool back. When it comes to video games, you, you've done voiceover work for a number of video games. Do you play video games yourself? I actually don't. No. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that's always quite funny. Um, Ingress was funny. I, I love the community. I love, like, the camaraderie of it all. Um, but, yeah, I don't. I actually don't even watch a huge amount of TV. Uh, so I'm kind of a bad actor in that regard. <laughs> That, that's fine. So so when you're not creating, uh, what do you like to do for fun? I love to travel, which was uh, difficult. Obviously, last year didn't that was not possible. Um, but I just uh, did a lovely trip visiting friends and family in uh, New York and in um, England. Uh, so, yeah, that was an amazing kind of getaway. So, yeah, that's that's my my happy thing to do travel and then also be out in nature, like camping trips, road trips, things like that. You mentioned that England and that whole scene had a diversity problem back in the day. Do you think it's gotten a lot better? 
Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it, uh, it seemed like the UK was talking about it a bit more than the US was, uh, maybe around like 2015 or whatever. And now it seems like everybody is sort of gung ho, uh, on top of it. And, and I feel very lucky as a mixed race female actress I mean, it really couldn't be a better time thinking about throughout history how difficult it was and how limited the roles were. I mean, even, you know, yeah, just for women, the roles were not great. And so it's I'm really happy to kind of be here now when things are more interesting for us. And and I also think that the diversity, the diversity of races in TV and film is really going to have a positive impact on just society and you know, reducing the, I mean, it's not going to eliminate racism completely, but I think that um, representation, it matters and is important. And it's important to see people of different races and genders and everything in certain roles to kind of get rid of these kind of ideas that people, like one dimensional ideas that people can have of others, which can be not good. What's the best piece of advice you give anybody for success and happiness? I would say uh, follow your bliss um, is, is very important kind of, you know, lean into the things that you enjoy and that you want to do. If you love singing, you don't have to be a pop star, but join a choir. You know, if you love art, start painting and drawing, just, just follow your bliss, do the things that you enjoy. Um, and, uh, don't be attached to the outcome, uh, kind of enjoy the journey and don't be attached to the outcome before I wanted to be, you know, an Oscar winning household name and actress. And, uh, whenever I wasn't getting there, it was very devastating. And now I, just act because I love to act, keep working hard, keep plugging away. And it's not about, you know, that one objective. It's about just enjoying what I'm doing in the moment. So, yeah. That's great. So you're saying enjoy the journey, enjoy the moment and Mm -hmm. control what you can control because all you can do is whatever the role is that you're designated to do when it's out in theaters or on video or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, you can't control that. So you got to enjoy the process. Do, do your best and don't be attached to the outcome, you know? So yeah, definitely. Excellent. Well, Ioni, it was a pleasure to talk to you to learn about your journey, to learn about uplifting content. Where can fans find you online? Uh, yeah, uplifting content. You can find us on social media at uplifting content. Uh, I'm all of my socials are at Ioni Butler, I-O-N-E Butler. And uh, uplifting stories you can get on Amazon or wherever books are sold.